Hello, and welcome back to She's In Focus, the podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering female filmmakers and videographers from all walks of life and on every step of their creative journey. I'm your host, Kel Grant, an aspiring filmmaker from New Jersey who's just trying to turn my passion into something more and connect with amazing women who have the same passion for video, one of those being Benita Mandalia, a budding filmmaker based in Boston, Mass. Benita grew her talent for photography back in 2016, and although she is new to filmmaking, She's taking every opportunity to learn and progress her skills. She's here to tell us how she's doing and how you can get started too. Benita, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I'm I'm super excited to be here. Of course. Ah, can't wait to I've I've been so excited to connect with you specifically, and I'm excited to get your perspective because um you didn't seem to have any shame in the fact that you're just starting. And I, I looked at your your Instagram and your your, you know posting often discussing with your followers your various passion projects and what you've been learning along the way and you've just been very transparent about the whole journey which I super appreciate as someone who I kind of still consider myself a beginner even though I have you know clients under my belt and I've learned a lot in a a little bit of time you know I still can appreciate and and learn from um, someone who's maybe just a few months behind me on my journey um so that's awesome. Well, thanks you... for thanks for saying that because sometimes I, I definitely hesitate before I post. Um, I know there's a lot of debate on how professional your image should be and like what you mm. post on social media when you also have a business. Um, and I know that you know some people uh, go for the fully relatable, like just kind of show everything. And I I think I have a happy medium with it. But yeah, definitely definitely nothing wrong with being um, a beginner. And I. I've had a million different careers over the past decade, so not definitely not ashamed to say, yeah, I'm a I'm a beginner filmmaker and definitely learning new things every day and uh it's it's journey. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And I'm excited to get into kind of how you how you got to to video and all your previous kind of lives in in different careers and such. But um I you know, you started taking video seriously at the start of the pandemic after losing your teaching job. Tell me about that point in your life and why was pursuing video the right choice for you at the time? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I, um, like I mentioned, I've had like a really winding path to get here. Uh, I never knew that I'd end up in video specifically, but I always had that creative itch. And so I actually, um, I in college, I studied international, international relations. Um, I worked with refugees. Um, and when I graduated, I kind of just wanted like first job out of college, just salary and benefits, whatever I could get. Right. So I had like typical, um, your typical corporate America job kind of at a desk nine to five and it wasn't all bad. And I learned a lot, but I definitely, um, I I knew it wasn't for me Mm -hmm. and, but I also didn't know what I wanted to do. So I actually, I quit my job. I moved to Bogota, Colombia, because I wanted to speak Spanish, uh, which yes. I also learned in college. Yeah, I loved <laughs> it. Um, actually, it was like really hard the first year, but then eventually learned to love it. Um, and um, still hadn't gotten into anything creative. I was teaching English and um, working with nonprofits. So three years after that, I came to Boston and that's when I first picked up a camera because I was working for another nonprofit and they needed um, marketing materials. So we were doing a lot of um, 
uh, work with communities in the Dominican Republic um, outside of Santo Domingo. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy a camera. I really like photography, like want to try it out. And realized I knew absolutely nothing about DSLRs, about photography, exposure, what's ISO, what's aperture, like no idea. And all my shots were terrible. Like I got like a lucky few in. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, so that led me to seek out um, people who could teach me, um, which I found through Instagram. And Boston at the time, so this is like five or six years ago, um, had a really strong photography community. And um, there was something called Portrait Meet where they would just post and say, hey, we're meeting this place this time. Um, If you're a model, come hang out. If you're um, a photographer or you just want to meet people, just like everyone's welcome. So that's where I got my start in photography. And a few years later, um, still teaching, um, still teaching English as a second language. And um, I... um, I was already doing like side gigs for photography. I was also working at the Leica Gallery um, as an assistant. And um, I just, I don't know, it just, it wasn't, um, uh, I love photography, but I couldn't make a business out of it. I I wanted to do it more for like the artistic side, um, which sounds super lame, (laughs) but but I just like, whenever I thought about like, oh, do I want to do like wedding photography or uh, product photography or just, you know, what, what would I make a business out of, um, what like niche. And I, I just, I couldn't, um, I I couldn't do it. And I, I kept kind of getting pulled towards video because I saw like how every business needed video and it was everywhere. And then you start seeing like all these apps are changing into being more video based. Um, I also, um, always had a love for documentaries and I I'm super into like travel and documentary or street photography. So when I would be doing that, I would, um, again, always feel that pull of, okay, I got a really great photo of this person, but I want to know what they have to say. I want to hear their story. And so there was always like a little bit of that itch of like, I I need like a sound bite or I want to get this movement. Um, so yeah, that, um, I, I don't know. I guess for some reason, I just, I felt more comfortable also making a business out of video. Like I wanted to save like photography for art and video was like, yeah, it's fine. Like, and give that away. <laughs> yeah. That's um, super interesting. Sorry, that was super long and rambling. <laughs> like, no, that was, Benita, I promise you, you are like a grade A interviewee. That was like, I couldn't okay. have, I couldn't have asked for a better answer. Like, um, how do I like connect all these dots? Um, but yeah, so that's that's the the long story. <laughs> but that's so awesome. Um, and I've I guess I've never quite heard someone be so intentional about video as far as like you were being you were being pulled into into it, and you kind of saw that there was opportunity there for business too. So I, I think early on in your journey, your mindset was okay. I love this as a hobby. I love photography as kind of a passion, and for the sake of the art. But what can I do that still kind of pulls that into it, but also makes me money? And there's also a demand and a need for it. And I think that's really cool. I feel like my 20s were, um, for like a lot of people, like it's your decade of exploration, right? As it, I think as it should be. And I'm really happy. I'm really proud of myself for not being scared to try new things. 
um, you know, instead of like forcing myself into a box, like, okay, this is what I studied in college. I have to do this one thing. Um, and, and, you know, this is what's going to make me, um, the most money. And like, then I have to like, yeah, I don't like follow the traditional, uh, checklist. Right. Mm. Um, but as I got older, um, I was teaching again, part-time English and then doing photography part-time, um, around the same time that I got interested in video, I also met my now husband. Um, so entering my thirties, I was like, well, you know, I, I do want to make money. Like I do want to be comfortable. I don't want to be, um, you know, the, the stereotypical, like, which I think this is false. I don't think you have to be like a starving artist. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, I think there's a way to be creative and also make money. Um, and actually you were saying like getting advice or giving advice. Um, I get so much value out of, um, not to, sorry to mention another podcast, but um, Chris, do you know Chris Doe from the future? Um, I, I, he, don't, I don't know anyone from the future. You, this is exciting. Is, uh, so, <laughs> no, that yeah, was a stupid joke. All like, right, okay, future? all right. Um, yeah, it's the future without an E, but basically, Chris Doe is a designer, but he, hmm. um, I think his mission is to like educate. Um, or provide educational value to a billion people or something like that's their mission statement. It's incredible. And I highly recommend it for anyone who is a creative entrepreneur. So it doesn't even have to be video or photo, like any, honestly, any entrepreneur, but of course, specifically geared to creatives because there is kind of a lack of education for um, the business side of things when you are in the arts is what what I'm kind of experiencing and seeing. Mm. Um, And so I think, um, you know, it's one thing to learn like the technical side and and you can definitely find a lot of fulfillment in being creative, but you do really need to know the business side. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm, and you've been in corporate America. I'm currently in corporate America. So the structure is very different when you own your own business. Um, can you talk about a little bit about why the nine to five gig wasn't really for you and how um, yeah. your your work life changed when you switched from, you know, working for someone else in that corporate setting to kind of being your own boss? Yeah, I um, I, I don't think my brain works on a nine to five. Uh, even now when I'm setting my own schedule, um, actually, again, uh, quoting uh, Chris Doe from the future, he, um, he, one of his guests actually mentioned this and I, it's so true for me. And I've been thinking about it a lot recently and it's that not all hours in the day are equal. So Mm -hmm. as a creative, um, I think also just generally for people, but as a creative, like, um, for me, the times from like nine to 12, um, are not my best working hours. My brain is not functioning the same way that it is in the late afternoon. Um, so then working in, um, an office job nine to five, like, okay, I have to be productive all those hours. Like it just, it wasn't happening. I, I hated, um, being an employee. Like I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to, um, you know, make my own decisions. And, uh, I, I didn't want to have to put in like, okay, these are my vacation days, um, get the approval, right? Like I want to make those decisions in my life for myself. Um, which is why like even teaching English, even though I was an employee in that sense, I had a lot of flexibility 
I could, you know, just, I could take a month off as long as I planned it with the school. And, and that was amazing to me. I'm like, my time is the most important thing right now. Um, so yeah, that was one of the reasons a nine to five didn't work. I, I felt like, um, the, on the one hand also the work wasn't super meaningful to me. I think if it were, that might've changed things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, ultimately wanted to be my own boss, wanted to create my own schedule, uh, not just day to day, but through the course of the year. Um, now, I mean, it's not easy being your own boss. Um, it It's really hard to get motivated when you're feeling overwhelmed or mm. there's, um, you know, speaking of the learning the business side uh, and also learning the technical side of, you know, creating these videos, it's, um, it, it's really hard sometimes. Um, but I think it's just worth it, the trade-off of, of creating the lifestyle that I want. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What do you find uh, motivates you when you're kind of of overwhelmed or or struggling to kind of, you know, get through the week? What are some strategies that you use that help you kind of stay on top of things? I'm sorry, I'm laughing because (laughs) this is like literally been my problem the last week or two um, (laughs) where it's, I don't know what it is or what's in the air. Maybe like, I don't know, like there was a, there was a blizzard last weekend here in Boston and like winter's just been, I, I mean, I went out actually and I had a lot of fun, but, um, the early sunsets, the cold, then, yeah. you know, COVID like, so I'm not like, I don't know, just, it's been really hard to get, feel motivated and, um, get the work that needs to be done, like actually get it done. Um, so, okay. Strategies, um, Okay, one strategy is I I try my best to break down my projects. So I use Asana, the website, um, for it's it's kind of like goal setting, but also helps you track your projects and timelines. And um, you can even do subtasks. So I can I can take a big project, I can break it down into steps. Then. Um, what I try to do every day is just write down what are the three things that I have to get done today. Um, if I'm feeling extremely overwhelmed and unmotivated, what I do, this doesn't work for everyone, obviously, but I try to choose a task that I know I can do and just kind of have a small win. And even if I get that one thing done and the rest of the day is just kind of blah and, and kind of a wash, like I... Um, at least I feel good that I got like that one little step or even like within that step, like just one thing to feel like I made progress. Um, and then other, other times I honestly, I'll just like, I'll say, I, I'm not emotionally able to deal with this right now, or I feel like way too overwhelmed. I need to take a break. Um, I'm really bad. I'm saying all this here. I'm really bad at actually following through with it. Um, and oftentimes, (laughs) honestly, like, my husband is super, super supportive and he's a, a lot, be- I, in my opinion, a lot better at stress management and like recognizing when things are like, he's like, okay, you need to like step away from your laptop. Just like take a moment to play Animal Crossing or Zelda or like have some food. <laughs> like, um, so he's really good at like recognizing that in me when, when I'm overwhelmed and that kind of helps too. Um, but I'm, I'm getting, getting better at at figuring that out in myself too. 
Yeah, so it's, now I'm like entering journey. like therapy mode. <laughs> <laughs> this podcast can be very therapeutic, yes. Um, so I think it's something that we all struggle with because, um, you know, working my, my nine to five and doing freelance on the side, I'm very good at getting all of my tasks done, you know, between nine to five, you know, always, always on time. But I think that's because the the dependencies are a lot greater. If I don't get this, you know, this in everybody else in my company might be depending on it. So there's that. And then there's also like, I'm going to look bad to my boss or to management, which could eventually cost me my job. When you're your own boss, it's like, if especially if you have a good relationship with your client, you could just be like, hey, not getting this to you uh, today. I'll get it to you next week. And like, there's nobody who's really pushing you to get that like the 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 creative field if you're your own boss is like there's a lot of give like you can really yeah. stretch your deadlines for in most cases and do a lot of stuff um or you know t- like you said take an entire day to just kind of relax and debrief and then you know really put your head down and get your work done the next day uh yeah. there's a it's a lot more more flexible in that in that aspect and I think it's it's harder in a lot of ways because there's there's not that kind of pressure telling you you have to get this done you kind of have to parent yeah. yourself in that way definitely no it's it's definitely got its pros and cons right like I um I've had to do that where I've told a client you know um this deadline's a little unrealistic at the moment, like, or, or what we said initially or what they were thinking. Um, or if, um, if it's on me and I need to say, Hey, I'm, um, uh, we're, we're going to need one more week on this or another, you know, another couple of days. Uh, and usually I, I feel like I've also been okay at choosing good clients. So not saying yes to everybody and I'm working with people where I actually, um, I don't know, like get, not like get good vibes from, but just, we, we share the same values, right? So they don't yeah. want me to be overworked. I don't want them to be overworked. So it's kind of this like mutual understanding and we're, we're a team. Um, and so finding projects like that and clients like that, I think that helps a lot with being able to have that flexibility. Yeah. And speaking of that, what does your kind of client acquisition process look like, especially early on in, in your business? Is it kind of utilizing what, mm-hmm. you know, what we've all heard as the free to fee method and, or what's that like for you? Yeah. Um, I kind of like laughing again, cause all of this is on my mind. Like I I've been thinking like, Oh, I should really have a sales process. <laughs> like I really need to like set up a system. <laughs> Um, so when, when I started out though, um, I was really fortunate because I have, um, I have a lot of friends who were also either starting over or who are in a lot of different fields. So I was, you know, reaching out to people and we're, or just like friends and catching up. And, um, one friend in particular, uh, Kevin, he is a headshot photographer, um, has a studio, three circle studio in Boston amazing. Um, and he was going through the same journey as me. Like literally we worked at the same school that got shut down. So we both, he, he actually got fired a few weeks before me or laid off and not fired. Um, and then I got laid off in the second round when they were like, actually we're shutting down the school. So, um, I actually, in a, in a way was really lucky because, um, we, we kind of banded together and we were having weekly calls to talk about like, all right, 
what now? Like you're, I'm, I'm going to do video. You're going to do photo. Like, how do we do it? Let's share our resources. Um, and, um, we, we had like our two person book club. Um, so we were, we were reading like creative entrepreneurship books, um, and then discussing it and how we can implement those things. So wow. anyway, my point of all this is he is the reason I got one of my first clients because he knew someone else who came in for headshots and, um, they were like, Hey, like, I think I'm going to, um, start doing some video, but like, I don't know how to do it. Do you know anyone? He's like, actually, yes, yes, I do. <laughs> and, um, sent her to me and, and that's how I got my first editing gig. Um, and then from there, it was honestly word of mouth, um, building my portfolio, um, by putting, putting the videos on my website and on Instagram, um, and Facebook. And then, um, what you had mentioned, oh, free to fee. So actually I've, I've also done that this year now that I'm able to go, um, film, um, kind of film in person. I, I've definitely told, um, people, especially clients where it could be uh, retainer clients and more like long-term and be like, you know what? I get it. Like I haven't done this type of video yet. Um, for example, I did like a cooking video and, um, it, for, sorry, let me, rewind that. For example, one of my clients, they're a nonprofit and they create meal, meal kits. And to go with the meal kits, they need videos explaining how to do the recipes. They're connecting with local chefs. And I've never done a video like that. So I said, you know what, like this could be a client that I can have a good relationship with that they need videos every month. It's long, long term and ongoing. So I offered a free video. And so that, um, uh, that, that's definitely like my foot in the door. And now it's, it's like, okay, we're going to make like one or two videos a month. And, and that's, you know, like that, that's a, a start right there. Another way is that getting, getting the word out there that I'm a videographer, like just making people know who you are and what you do. So that's why I'm like posting a lot and showing my editing screen. So I had two people send me, um, it, it was basically um, an RFQ, Request for Qualifications, um, through the Boston Mayor's Office of Arts and Culture. And they're looking for a videographer or a video team to produce a TV series for like public broadcasting. Um, so in that way, I, um, I was very actively seeking to get hired, right? Like we had to create a proposal, we had to do a pricing breakdown, um, oh, I'm saying we because I decided to, because it was such a big project, I decided to do it with another videographer friend, Nicole. Um, so I was like team lead and I was mainly creating the proposal and the main um, point of communication for the mayor's office. Um, and um, and she would be assisting me um, with like any problems that came up with filming, with editing Basically, we we applied, and of course, you know, we had to send in our our bios. And I mentioned that I used to be a teacher, um, that I had lived abroad, um, spoke Spanish. So I think that really helped me get this job. And the videos happened to be um, these episodes with three different teaching artists. So it's all visual arts, and it's it's um, eight episodes each and geared towards senior adults in Boston. So I think I'm, I'm starting to get a lot more clients um, 
that again are either nonprofit or with education. And I'm really enjoying it, but I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure that's like that's what I want to do or that's my thing. Um, I know like specializing would really help and and mm. um, you can get a lot more business through specializing, I believe. Um, but I, I think I also kind of want to mix in more um, like creative storytelling, possibly um, like I, I might be working with a luxury car consultant that is just starting up and we might do a more creative uh, storytelling ad where we hire like an actor and I get to write a script and plan those shots Ooh. and yeah, like make like a little short film, but in just, you know, 60 seconds. Um, yeah. And what else? The kind of third category that I might've told you about before or written about is um, making brand message videos. So I have like a love for documentary and that's something I want to explore in the coming years. I don't, I don't think I'm there yet and I'm still figuring out what ideas, mm. um, but a skill that I think I could learn through um, my business is interviewing people. So um, a brand message video would be anywhere from one minute, three minutes, five minutes uh, for someone's website or for social media and um, talking about the organization and their background and their values and their services. Um, and, and so I, I don't know, I just, I feel like I'm kind of all over the place and I have like maybe themes um, or like different categories, but I, I'm, I'm still exploring. It sounds like the possibilities are endless for you since you're kind of willing to, to kind of go where the wind takes you as far as exploring different, these three different kind of facets. Um, and, and I guess I'm wondering what it takes to kind of get opportunities like you've been getting. Is it a matter of just, you know, believing in yourself and saying, I am a videographer, I'm going after this, I'm going to call myself a videographer and market myself as such, and then just kind of utilize my network to get those connections. What is it, what do you think it takes for those who listening who are, who are starting out and just not sure like, okay, how do I get from, you know, picking up the full-time filmmaker course uh, to actually getting opportunities and clients? I think, um, I think it's a combination of things. I think initially it's just practice, like literally have fun with it and go with um, your feelings. Like where, where are you, what are, what are you drawn to, right? What are you actually interested in? Don't try to like force yourself into a box because you think you should be doing one thing or another. Mm. Um, so with video, I, I started out just like practicing, like playing around, making like, I don't know, like filming myself, talking about something, a topic I know, like teaching English. Or um, I stayed with my brother in California for a few months and um, he has a beautiful kitchen. And so I was like, you know what? I'm gonna make some cooking videos. And I filmed him creating, um, making ravioli from scratch, right? And and that was like an opportunity to practice, but also see like, what do I actually like? And then the second thing is, is just reaching out to your network. Um, don't be afraid to just like call someone up and, and say, hey, um, I'm a videographer. And yeah, just like own it. Even if you're not there yet, just say like, I'm a videographer and this is the type of video I want to make and maybe do the free to fee model. Um, and, um, and, and that kind of get practice in through that it's, it's practice and portfolio building. And then I think honestly, soon you're, you're going to be getting inquiries. Um, I think 
video is so needed right now that there is an abundance of work out there. And I think if you can build your portfolio, learn the skills, build your portfolio and network, you're, you're set. There, there's just, there's so much opportunity out there. I'm a little biased because I'm also living in a big city, but I, I really right. think, I don't know. I think you can do this remotely too. You know, when I started, I was actually in Tennessee with my husband and his mom and um, doing my editing gigs from like remotely, like all my clients were here in Boston or elsewhere. And, and um, yeah, so I think uh, it's, it's all very possible. That's awesome. So I think that's, that's very practical advice. And I'm curious to know what your kind of skill journey has been. So when you first started with video, you know, at the start of the pandemic, what can you describe to us or illustrate for us what your skill level was like? Did you know what Premiere Pro was? Did you work in Final Cut? Did you not even know how to cut together a sequence or anything like that? And then kind of talk talk your way through your evolution and to where you are now. Wow. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I did have a head start because of photography. Mm-hmm. Um I think I knew, I already knew the basics of camera settings just from doing that for a few years. Um, for video, uh, it it really helped to join the um, online course, Full-Time Filmmaker, <laughs> like not to make this an ad for it or anything, yeah, right. but um, sponsored it, by it really, <laughs> it really, yeah. But like, even if you don't join some kind of online um, course or community, I think all the information is out there on YouTube. So what, what I would do or what, how, how it happened for me is I, I would say, okay, this is the type of video I want to make. I want to do an interview. Okay. So what are the three things I need to know? I need to know my camera settings and like that equipment, like what lens to use. I need to know lighting and I need to know audio. Um, and obviously like I didn't have a huge budget. I just gotten laid off. So it was like, all right, I'm going to buy this. Like cheapo lav mic and let's see if I can work with that or um I don't know I even know people who like started just filming on their phones like which are super high quality these days so there's definitely a lot you can do there um and yeah I I did end up getting um the Adobe what is it like creative cloud like the suite like all of them because I Mm -hmm. as again I was already doing photography so I had Lightroom I had Photoshop so now I was like, well, I might as well get the bundle because now I need Premiere. I need it After Effects. Um, so I did decide to invest in that. Um, and luckily, I guess through Full-Time Filmmaker and also from teaching before that, had like a .edu email so I could get like some discounts for oh, that yeah. first year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely didn't want to pass that up. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think each project that I've had, I've learned like at least minimum one new thing. And um, someone actually posted this in in the Facebook group, but they they talked about like, or we, we talk about imposter syndrome, right? And I think a lot of that comes from this fear of not being good enough and also comparing ourselves to other people who have likely done this way longer than we have, or they've just been practicing more frequently than us, right? Um, and I like to say something like video, no offense to all my colleagues out there, but like, it's, it's not rocket science. I really, truly believe anyone can do this. I think everyone's creative. 
I think creativity is a practice and I, I don't think it's like I'm innately like born with some special talent. It's literally just practicing it. Um, so I, I feel like I gain my skills through just looking at, okay, what is my next project, whether it's personal or for a client and being like, okay, what is that one thing that I can do better than I did last time? Um, and so I'm like, sorry, I'm like all, um, over the place. Like my mind just all scattered when I tell stories, but I mentioned the Facebook group and what someone had posted. Um, and they had said, um, you know, only compare, don't compare yourself to other people, compare yourself to compare yourself to you. So like what you are doing now compared to your last project. And like, when I do my next one, what did I do better than I did um, before? Does that make sense? I like, it makes, it makes total sense. Um, Okay. I I think like, no, no, that's okay. I think, and I think maybe I was there for a little bit at the start of my journey, like I was just paralyzed by fear. I thought for some reason, well, especially I, I know why I thought this because I went to school for video production. So I thought oh, that no. I should be able to create the videos that I'm seeing in this Facebook group. And the truth oh. is I didn't learn those skills. I really didn't. And I had kind of a leg up because I was really, I was really proficient in Premiere Pro. But as far as getting behind the camera and filming something, I was, uh, I was completely lost. And I just let that fear kind of paralyze me for so long until I realized like, it's okay to be a beginner. Like everybody has started there at some point, even my favorite creators, Becky and Chris, Peter McKinnon, Parker Walbeck, all these people we, we see on YouTube, they had to start from, from kind of ground zero as well. And if you, uh, yeah. it's funny, if you look at any of your favorite creators, first videos, if they still have them up on their channel, you're like, oh my God, I can do better than that. And it's like, yeah, a hundred percent you can. And so it's just about getting, getting better. Um, and I, I just love that, you, you know, I think it's getting better, but then it's also like giving yourself the space to mess up. Like you're not gonna, I, I, I think, um, before I got into the business side of things, I was like, I want to shoot a product video. Like maybe I should get a client and do this and do free to fee. And my, uh, my now fiance was like, you have a million products lying around this apartment. Why don't you just take your camera out that you have access to and film something? And that's one of yeah. my portfolio pieces now. And it's like, I didn't even know I could do that. And I thought that I was just going to jump in and get a client and magically like figure it out. But now that I've done it without the added pressure, I know that I can show that to a client and and kind of jump off from there. Have you experienced that at all? Absolutely. Um, when you're, you're saying that, like, just like do something with what's like lying around. Um, one of my first videos, which is awful, I did it for, um, the, it was like a 30 second ad using a music bed, um, sound clip or whatever Mm -hmm. through, uh, like it was a competition for, for that online course. And so I did it for my favorite beer. It's uh, left-hand nitro milk stout. And I, (laughs) this was like start of the pandemic, right? So I'm like in, in this apartment, literally in this room, in this spot where I'm sitting and I set up a table and I got my red, um, it's a red bed sheet to be my backdrop. And I like, just like ironed it out. I didn't have lights, um, so I just used, uh, actually, yeah, this lamp and then maybe one other I have and just, like, played. Like, literally, was just yeah. like, you know, it doesn't even matter. Like, I'm not going to win this. I just started, but I need to do something. I need to practice. 
And here is like a set limit and guidelines. And um, I did it in a weekend, right? Like I didn't spend weeks or months on it. It was just like, all right, I have like two days to do this and one day to edit. Let's see what I can do. And I'm going to learn something in the process. Um, And then months later, when, again, when I was staying with my my brother in California, um, he had um, Hendrix Gin. And it was uh, a new bottle. It was like the Midsummer Solstice is the name. And I was like, you know what? I want to make like a social media style ad for this. Like I want to do like vertical video. Also, like maybe I'll film it horizontal and try to edit it both ways. Like that's something that a client would want, right? Um, and I, I filmed it in like five hours. And um, which, which sounds like a lot, but actually like I feel like I could have used more time. But um, I... Um, I, I filmed it and then the next day edited and like, even like, like their account had commented on it and I was like, so excited. I was like, I did this thing like this, like they, they could have posted this and like, you would have thought like, like that, that was me. I did that. You know what I mean? Um, and so it, it's true. You just gotta like, you gotta get over the fear. You just gotta start. You have to have fun with it. Um, and don't like let that self critic and pressure, um, you know, stop you from from trying you know and it's like it's way easier said than done I think honestly like because I've had so many careers in my life like I um I'm used to starting over I've practiced being a beginner right like it's it's it is very uncomfortable like I remember coming to Boston and teaching my first class like I've always taught classes with all Spanish speakers um so now having a mixed group was like very different and like a very formal setting versus like freelancing it or you know in Colombia the companies just operate a little differently and um so I remember I was really nervous and I was actually really bad at it and um it it took it took practice it just took time doing it over and over again till I felt like yeah, I'm good at this. I know what I'm doing. And like, it's the same for video. Um, the second, second thing I want to say about it, since I'm so good at rambling. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, the second thing is I, and, and this is still hard for me to this day, like literally with projects I'm working on right now is, um, we, we, to be cliche, like we are our own worst critics. And oftentimes I feel like what we create, we're like, oh, like this really sucks. Or um, I, um, you know, I could have done this better. I messed up on the lighting and the exposure or blah, 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 right? Usually the client can't see that. Not, not every situation. I know there's exceptions to that, but like most of the time the client doesn't know any better. Like, yeah. and what you've created is much better than what they probably could have done on their own, right? That's why they hired you. Um, so just like keeping that in mind kind of helps you get out of like imposter syndrome being like, no, no, like I already am one step ahead of, of the person I'm creating it for most likely. Um, so just do it, you know, and, and be okay. Like you said, with making mistakes, it's not going to be the end of the world. No, a hundred percent. And, uh, as you said, you know, if the client, if someone is coming to you asking for video, it's likely because they don't know a thing about video. Right. Or like they hired you for a reason. Either they saw your work and they liked it. Right. And they're like, here, I want to give you money for this. Right. Or um, someone recommended you. And, you know, either way, like just just kind of do it. Be be the expert in the situation and try your best. And you mess up, you mess up and do better next time. 
Yeah, yeah. definitely. I love, I'm, the... I love this. Like I'm saying all this, but literally I need to watch this video and like take it in for myself. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's, it's really uh, inspiring to hear your story because um, when I looked at your website and now that you're explaining about all these videos, like I didn't realize those were videos that you decided to just kind of do on your own. Like I was like, oh, these are portfolio pieces. These are, they look like client videos. And that's, that's so cool. And I realized like a lot of the videos in my portfolio, while I have, you know, a hard drive full of client projects, a lot of what got me started was my YouTube videos or my Instagram ads that I created on the weekends and my free time and those kind of things. So I think um, it's a really, it's, it's like, you know, any excuse to create and utilize what you have. I mean, there's, I, I've talked to so many people who are just so paralyzed by the fact that they're, you know, I suck at this. And, and like, at the end of the day, I can only have so much compassion for them because it's like, you say you suck at this, but what do you need to do to get better? Practice. Yeah. And you're giving all, you know, 110 reasons why you don't want to practice. And that's what it takes. That's what it takes for every, every profession, but especially yeah. in the kind of creative field. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There, there's just, there's no other way around it. You just have to do the work. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So at the time when we connected virtually at first, uh, Benita, you classified yourself as a newbie. Where would you say you are in your journey right now? And where, like, how would you describe your, your, where you are in your business and your skills and where you want to go next? I, um, so, okay. So some exciting news is last September, I officially registered my business as an LLC in the state Yay. of Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. I um, am super excited about that. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know. I definitely, I definitely see myself like I am a videographer. I'm a filmmaker. I have my own business. I'm making an income and, and, I'm able to sustain myself from my business more or less. And mm -hmm. um, I, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of at, I'm at the beginning stages of a proper business. So I don't, I don't think I'm completely new. Like I think my, my videos are now what I would consider high quality and, and where I do feel confident with what I'm charging and the products I deliver to my clients. Um, even though, again, I can compare myself to the greatest people and still feel sometimes right. like, oh, I'm not good enough. But um, I, I definitely am at a point in my business where I'm still laying some of the foundation, the groundwork for it. But, um, mm. but there's, um, there's a lot of opportunities and I, I am kind of gearing up for the next steps of growing my business, of scaling it, like being able to like hire other people to help me and, um, you know, um, figuring out more of my specialty over the next maybe year, maybe two years. Um, I'm trying not to like set deadlines for myself so I don't put too much pressure and get like paralyzed, but, um, right. I definitely, I don't, I don't know if that answers the question. So like, not like fully it's beginner, but not like full fledged business yet, like kind of in the middle. Uh, is there a specific skill or kind of technique or type of video you're looking to kind of tackle this year? Ooh, that's a really good question. I, I would love to do two things. One, um, if I'm able to work with this one client on doing that kind of storytelling ad structure, uh, I think I feel very excited about writing a script 
uh, I think I'm generally a decent writer. So I think um, that's something I haven't been able to do in past videos that I'd, I'd love to practice and kind of give it a shot. Um, the second one is some form of documentary, documentary storytelling. Um, I'm definitely, I'm passionate about a few different topics that I, I think it would be wonderful to amplify those voices and kind of tell those stories. Um, and getting, um, yeah, get, getting some practice with that would be, would be fantastic. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so I think you're going to be able to, by the time, you know, you, you really get those under your belt, um, continue to really market yourself as a, um, a video creator and a storyteller. Cause I think like that distinction is really important in the, in the video space. Cause especially with like these kind of social media style ads and things like that um a bit of that storytelling element is lost um so having that like that narrative ability to be able to to craft a story through a brand message or a brand mission is really cool yeah yeah i feel like so many people debate like the um the terms like are you a videographer or a cinematographer or a filmmaker right like they all have like yeah. different weights different meanings um yeah i, I definitely would i, I want to kind of get better at storytelling and hone that skill. Yeah, absolutely. Same here, actually. Um, and before we, uh, we get to our closing questions, um, so we discussed uh, before we started recording that a lot of the the trainings out there on YouTube are, are kind of, um, you know, put forth by a lot of um, white males in this in this video space. So I'm just wondering, like, culturally speaking, were you ever encouraged to pursue uh, kind of the creative arts? Because a lot of like minority parents from different cultures, you know, they follow this narrative narrative of like, get a real job. That's not going to make you money. Did you experience any of that in this space? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually, I wish I had mentioned that before talking about like journey to get here. Um, and knowing I, I, I had something in me that was really drawn to the creative side of, of things. And, and, um, so I was, I was definitely encouraged to, to do and create art growing up. Like I was in theater since I was a kid. Like I do like arts and crafts. I like love you know, taking photos on my digital, digital camera. Um, so that wasn't a bad thing, but it was always um, kind of, again, very, very much a stereotype for a first-generation American of Asian parents. Um, that's a hobby, not a profession. You cannot make a career out of it or you will be, you, you're going to be poor and, and not have like a stable lifestyle and um, as my, my parents probably be like, no one's going to want to marry you. Right. <laughs> like that's like a, a huge thing on their minds. Like right. gotta get married, gotta have kids, gotta get the house. Right. And, and it's all understandable. Like I, it's like a whole nother topic. You can like make a whole podcast about that, <laughs> like yeah. about expectations and cultural and generational differences. But I, um, I, I was definitely discouraged, not, not only from family, but also just, um, my culture and that society of, of pursuing anything artistic. And so I never had those examples growing up. Now you do see a lot more examples of, um, you know, um, 
of Asian um, creatives being very successful and like speaking out about that, um, it was it was actively discouraged, right? It was definitely it was always a no, like that's not even like a possibility. Um, yeah. So I think I kept like denying it, and then that's how I got into teaching because teaching was still respect respectable, reputable. Um, doesn't make you a lot of money, but I was at least happy doing it. And I could express my creative side in my lesson plans or activities I did with my students, um, especially for the times I worked with like children. Um, but but yeah, it was definitely um, and still is kind of difficult for some family members to really understand, like, what do I do? How do you do it? Like, how do you actually have a business around that? Um, so, yeah, it's um, I- I've given up. I've accepted that not everyone will understand and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that uh, in a way you almost kind of have to keep proving yourself to these people just by kind of sticking on your path and and keep continuing to follow your vision. And I I think one thing that really helped with that, um, I stopped talking about it. I stopped, um, I stopped trying to prove myself by, by saying, oh, well, this is what I'm going to do and I can do it. And, you know, like, so I stopped talking about it and just like did it. Right. Like I'm not, I knew I'm not going to, um, I wasn't going to get the support that I was looking for. So I, I found that support through my partner, through friends or through other videographers in the community. Right. And, um, once I once I found support in other areas and stopped trying to prove myself to people who, quite frankly, were not going to understand and might never understand, like that that helped a lot to be like I can kind of validate myself just by doing the work and showing it to myself. Yeah, absolutely, and and that's awesome. And thinking about kind of the building your own or finding your own communities, you know, what would a, what would it mean to you to have kind of a network of female filmmakers? And is that something you, you already currently have? I, I think that would be super valuable. And, um, I, I don't know if I, if I would say I have a strong community of, of, female filmmakers or women filmmakers, um, there is, so through, um, through those Facebook groups, I actually met three other videographers who are women and we kind of branched off and have our own, like, um, literally just like Facebook messages, but we'll, in the beginning, when we started it monthly, we would, um, do some goal setting. And then there was also a space where we could just like ask each other questions. And then also get on a video call and be like, hey, what's up? Like, what are you working on today or this month? Or um, what are you trying to do? And, and kind of just like problem solve. Um, and that that really helped because sometimes I feel like in the big communities, like the big Facebook groups um, or elsewhere, it, it's like you're kind of putting out your questions or your thoughts um, or asking for feedback um, in, into like a huge space, right? And you don't yeah. know who's going to actually see it and be interested Whereas like having other women um, who that's what they're there for was really helpful because I could be like, hey, I'm really struggling with this. or This is how I'm feeling or this is the problem. What should I do? Right. And we all do that with each other. Um, so I, I do think it would be really valuable to have a, a, a kind of proper group that does that. Um, 
I know you, you had Maya Fulmer in your podcast um, and she's got her Facebook group Media Empress. Um, so I think that's also a really good place to start for community. Um, so I feel like um, compared to when I started photography and had that community um, and also again, things have changed with COVID and whatnot. So like not the same with gathering, but I think also the nature of video is it, it does sometimes feel a little more solitary. Um, whereas like with photography, we could all be on the same like set or like outside and, and just all take photos or do a photo walk around the city. Yeah. Um, whereas with video, I, um, I, I haven't tried to create that with anybody. Um, but I, I feel that video takes just so much longer. Like my projects at the moment are, um, they're a lot, right? There's just so much to learn. They're a lot more time consuming. So I don't, um, it, it's very easy to be solitary, to like kind of just do my own thing. Um, yeah. I will say there are a lot of supportive people out there and supportive women um, that you, you're having everyone on your podcast, like Jasmine, um, I'm forgetting her hey. last name. Q. You know this. Yes. Uh, I had a question for her and I just DM'd her on Instagram and she's like, yeah, let's talk. And we got on um, a video call, I think like FaceTime or Zoom or something. And um, I got to talk out an idea and like kind of an issue that I was having. And she, I knew she had experience in it and she was able to like walk me through it and give me some advice. Um, and um it's hilarious because she's like, I think like five or six years younger than me. So I was like, this is cool. <laughs> I feel young because I'm, you know, you're teaching me. Um, but no, she's amazing. So I feel like um, even if there's not like one spot, if there's someone that you really um, either admire or they've done work that's similar to what you're interested in, um, you should just reach out and you know, worst that can happen is like, no, sorry, I'm busy. Right. But like, I, most of the people I've reached out to, they're like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's talk. Like we'll message about it or like get on a call. So. Yeah. I find that people are super receptive um, because everyone is kind of on the same journey. And if, even if they're not in the same, in the same part of their journey that you are, like they can appreciate the fact that they've been where you are or, or you, you're, you are where they're going. And it's a, like a communal aspect of it that I think like women in particular, uh, really enjoy kind of sharing their experiences and just helping each other out. Yeah. I think, um, I think, I think that's spot on. Like, I think everyone's kind of been there. And we know what it's like to be like the only woman on set or, oh, yeah. you know, one of like the 1% of <laughs> female filmmakers, right? Like it, it's, and the experience is very different and, and kind of that feeling of needing to like prove yourself and this and that. So like, I think that's maybe why so many people are, are a lot more receptive to, to kind of helping out because they, they've been there. We've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So Benisa, what is one thing about your story that you want the people listening to remember? If there's one takeaway, it would be to just own it. Just, you know, get rid of that imposter syndrome or the fear of failure. Just, just own it. Call yourself a videographer or whatever it is you're trying to be and, and not trying to be, just be it, just do it. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely use that advice. I just realized that I still in my intro call myself an aspiring filmmaker when I've 
you know, I've been doing it. I am doing the damn thing. I am a filmmaker. I am a videographer. So I'm, I always keep saying I'm going to change it, but I'm, I'm really going to change it this time because, uh, while there's nothing wrong with being, with being a newbie, I think, uh, to a certain extent, there's like, people are going to treat you how you kind of present yourself. And if I, you know, at what point, do I say that I'm a filmmaker? Because as, as you know, once you put those kind of caveats on your on your title, that's when people, you know, oh, is she really a filmmaker? She was aspiring mean. What is that going to mean for my business? So I I had someone say that to me when I started photography. Uh, she was she's a photographer, and I I was like, yeah, like I I want to be a photographer. I'm trying to be, and she's like. No, no, no. Take those words out of your mouth. You are a photographer, right? So same, same thing for video now. I'm like, I'm, I'm a videographer. I'm a business owner. I'm kicking ass. Like (laughs) this is what I do and just kind of be confident. And, you know, there's, there's so many resources. There's so many good people out there willing to help. And, um, you just got to put in the work and, and trust, trust yourself and just do it. Absolutely. Benita, I've taken up so much of your time tonight, so I'm going to wrap up and I, I'm going to ask you two final questions. One being, where can the viewers and listeners of this podcast find you? Okay. Um, you can find me on Instagram. It's my first and last name, Benita, B-I-N-I-T-A, Mandalia, M-A-N-D-A-L-I-A. Uh, you can find my website, same thing, benitamandalia.com. And I'm newly on TikTok under you guessed it my first and last name <laughs> amazing oh i gotta i gotta pick your brain about tiktok one of these days i started and it's purely for fun i'm, I'm not even <laughs> no proper video stuff is going on it i just want to be there for the trends i, I want to use those filters i want to learn the dances like i don't <laughs> even care like it's just to have fun I love that. And lastly, Benita, how can the viewers and listeners of this podcast support you as a filmmaker? I think they can help by just being supportive to others. I think what we were talking about earlier about when people reach out, try to be open-minded and make that time to grow the community. I think we can learn a lot from each other, from our experiences, um, from our mistakes and um, yeah, lessons learned. And, And I think keeping that to ourselves, like being gatekeepers isn't going to help anyone. So just being real and and open and connecting would, um, I think be helpful for, for all of us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's how we're going to continue to, to grow the community. So awesome. Benita, this has been so amazing. I, I've so enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time today. I think so many people are going to kind of relate to your story. And I hope that, you know, you make a bunch of connections from this episode. But thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. I, I had a great time also. And I, I can't wait to keep listening to all your future guests and past guests and, um, and see how this community grows. Awesome. So as always, thanks so much for watching and I'll see y'all in the next episode. Bye.